Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb. We're continuing our series in Romans chapter 8 where we seek to answer the question, I'm saved. Now what? This is part 10. And in part 10, we're looking at Romans 8, 24 through 25. And we're going to answer the question, what is hope? Let me read the passage to you. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. You know, one of the problems with reading scripture is that we constantly are bringing our own definitions of terms to God's word. And that's especially prevalent when we look at the word hope. Because in our culture, in our society, when the world says hope, they don't mean the same thing that scripture means when it says hope. I would have students walk into my classroom before a test and they'd say, I sure hope that I do well on this test. And what they're saying is they're making a wish and it's an unfounded wish. It's not based on any sort of reality. You see, in scripture, hope means something different. And we have the definition right here. It says at the end of verse 25, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So hope in scripture is eagerly waiting with patience. Patience. I want you to think for a minute about what that means. What does it mean to eagerly wait with patience? If you're eagerly waiting for something with patience, well, it means that there's there's an eagerness, there's an excitement as you look forward to it. You're patient, so that means it's unwavering. You're not going to ever stop believing that it will happen. And, and that, that also means that there's an expectation, there's a certainty in your hope. And it's also not seen, it's a future event. So it means we have an eager, unwavering expectation of a future event, an eager, unwavering expectation of a future event. Now, part of the reason that hope is so important is because there's things that we have not yet experienced on this side of eternity. Now, I want you to think about this. Hope is one of the attributes of the Christian life that ends when we reach heaven. There's no more hope in heaven. What do I mean? Because it's all realized. Because there's no more looking forward to what we have not yet realized in this life. I think there'll still be anticipation in heaven. I think there'll still be exciting moments. But when we talk about hope, we're talking about this striving forward to what has not yet been rewarded to us, to the life that we have not yet experienced. In heaven, we're going to experience all of us. Heaven is the end of hope. Hope is an eager expectation, unwavering about a future event. I haven't seen it yet. Now now think about this. What is it that we're waiting for? It's something that we haven't seen. It's something that we haven't realized. If you've seen it, if you've experienced it, then it's not hope. So the fact that my sins have been forgiven, I'm not hoping that my sins will be forgiven. My sins have been forgiven. That's a past event. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So that's a past event. What's a future event? 1 Corinthians 2.9 describes it this way. It says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So what he's saying right here is that there's something that our eye has not seen, our ear has not heard, our human heart has not even conceived, that God's preparing for those who love him. 
as we love him, as we long for his appearing, as we love his appearing, he's preparing something for us, and we can't even imagine it. It's beyond our ability to visualize. It's our, beyond our ability to think about how good it's going to hear. In other words, it's beyond our senses. But what he says in the next verse is the Spirit has revealed it to us. God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So the Spirit is communicating to us something of the things of God. There's a taste of the pleasures of heaven in my earthly body because he's given me the Holy Spirit. And what that means is I've been invited into intimate relationship with him. And in that intimate relationship, I catch glimmers of that hope. Now, it's not the fullness. I don't get the full taste. It's just a tidbit. It's just an hors d'oeuvre to get me ready for the actual meal that's yet to come. Now, what maintains that hope? It's unwavering. It's expectant. It endures through all of this life. One of the things that maintains that hope is the present fulfillment of God's promises. I continue to have hope because God has been faithful in my life today to fulfill his promises. It says this in 2 Peter 1.4, By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. In other words, I have present victory over evil desire because of God's promises. He's made promises to me that he's going to place his spirit within me, that he's going to arm my hands for war, that he's going to aid me in my battle against sin, that he's going to give me fruits of his spirit. And as I read scripture and I see what he's promised me, I live out that promise. He's promised that his love is shed abroad in my heart through the Holy Spirit he's given me. As I live in faith upon those promises, and he fulfills those promises in my life, there's a building hope. There's a growing hope because his promises are fulfilled today. It's not just the present fulfillment, though, but God has been faithful through our whole life, through all of human history. This is one of the reasons that it's so important we read the Old Testament. We see the faithfulness of God. We read the New Testament. We see the faithfulness of God. First Peter 1.3 says it this way, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Your hope is alive today because Jesus is. I want you to think about that. God sent his son, and Jesus told us that he was going to rise the third day. He promised that he would rise the third day. And you know what? He kept his promise. And because he kept his promise... I'm alive. I've died with him. I've raised up with him. And because that promise has been fulfilled first in Christ and then in me, I know that he will fulfill all of his promises. If God didn't spare his own son, how much more with him will he also give us all things? He's going to continue to be faithful. The same passage, 1 Peter 1, it says this in verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This is what our living hope is for. It's through this inheritance. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's kept in heaven for you. In other words, our hope is in something that God does not cancel. God's not going to delete it. God's not going to say, you know what? No, now you're too far gone. I'm going to take this away. This living hope 
grows with time. It doesn't shrink. It doesn't perish. It doesn't die away. And the reason is given in verse 5, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. God is guarding you right now by his power. And this is the not yet of salvation. The already of salvation is I have been forgiven for my sins. I have been given power to have victory over temptation. But the not yet, that final salvation, is when I'm delivered forever from the presence and the penalty of sin for eternity so that I can live in perfect relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm being guarded until that final day. In verse 6, he says this, you rejoice in this. Even now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter lets us know that trials are an opportunity for us to put our hope on display. He says later on in the same epistle, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. In other words, when you go through a trial, people will ask you, what are you hoping in? How are you holding fast? Why can you continue to live when it seems like everything's going wrong? It's because we recognize this is a refining fire. This is stripping away what was not meant to be so that I'm holding at the end of the day only onto what lasts, what is eternal because I've been born again to a living hope. And so I rejoice in this, not in pain, not in the trial, but in what my hope expects. And the trial is a reminder that my hope is sure, that my hope is steadfast. When I'm not destroyed by the storm, I know that my anchor is sure. This hope we have is an anchor for our soul. And we're confident because Christ has finished. He's completed the work. I want to challenge you to hold on to this living hope, to cultivate this living hope. One of the temptations we constantly have in our Christian life is to shift our hope from eternal unseen things to temporary seen things. This idea of of shifting hope, there's there's a book called Hope Shifting by a guy named Jim Applegate. It's a short, quick book. I recommend it if you want to learn about this concept more. But the idea of hope shifting is that we take our hope that's meant to be fixed on eternity and we attach it to either my religious performance, I'm hoping in God because I'm such a good Christian and I do so many good things, and so my hope is attached to my work instead of Jesus' work, or I shift it over to earthly accolades. I'm confident that my hope is secure because I have a good paycheck, because I have a healthy family, because things are going well here on earth. We have a tendency to shift either one way or the other, either to religious duty and the fulfillment of tasks or to earthly accolades. What's our hope meant to be fixed on? Let me remind you again. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is your hope set completely on? Grace. That's a gift you don't earn. You don't earn it with your religious duty. You don't earn it with the works that you do here. You don't earn it with the accomplishments of this life. It's grace. It's all a gift that he gives you when he is 
revealed. That's what my hope needs to be set completely upon. I have a future in heaven for sure. How do I know? Not because of what I have done, but because of what Christ has done, is doing, and will do. His past keeping of his promises informs my hope. His present fulfillment of his promises in my life enlivens my hope. And because of those, I know that the one whom I have believed in will fulfill what he started. I'm confident that the one who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it. I'm confident the one who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. Complete it. Our hope needs to be fixed on an expectation of grace. What is your hope fixed on today? Eager expectation, unwavering of what has not yet been seen. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He'll never disappoint. Thank you so much for listening.